Well, good morning, and uh, I am excited this morning. No, I'm not. I'm really not excited about what I'm about to preach to you this morning. Yeah, you may not be either. But we'll see, right? Often when you're working on messages, and we've been working our way through Hebrews, you come on a passage of Scripture that you almost want to ignore. You would rather just skip over to some other scripture, not necessarily because it's more meaningful to people or not. It's just sometimes you read certain scripture and it disturbs you. And you go, I got to go through it. I can't go around it. That's what we're going to do today, okay? Have you ever traveled through some undesired and difficult transitions such as like foreclosures, unemployment, rebelling teens, rebelling kids, things that you don't know how necessarily you got there. Sometimes you do, but often you don't know how you ended up there, but you're there. These transitions, these times in life that just seem like you're, I say this often, this looks, you look down the road and all you see is more road and you don't see an exit You don't see a rest stop. All you see is more road. Anybody ever been there? I mean, you just do. And you don't know how to move out of it and you you feel trapped. And again, you don't, sometimes you know how you got there. Other times you don't know how you got there. But one thing you know is you're there. So we're gonna read today a couple of passages of scripture that I'm gonna kind of tie together, I hope. And I hope they make sense. I think they will. They make sense to me, so hopefully they will to you. I'm a pretty simple guy, so hopefully they will. But Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read out of. And Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read out of. We're going to read in Hebrews chapter 10, 32 through 39. So remember those early days after you received the light, when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Persecution, And at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteousness, one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back or are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Remember those early days when you first saw the light? There was this excitement. There was this something about it. You just, all of a sudden, there was this whole new world that opened up to you that you didn't know was there before, and all of a sudden, it's there. But he goes on to say, remember when that happened, you were willing to suffer. You were willing to allow your possessions to be taken. You were willing to allow your property to be taken. Now, sometimes that's probably because they were run out of town. They were running for their life. But you did it knowing this. What I am trading in is temporal. 
What I am giving up is temporal for the eternal. What I am giving up is no comparison to the fact that now I not only have salvation, but I now can walk in, as we've been reading over the last many weeks, I am now walk into even the holy of holies. I gave up the old way. And we've said often here over the last many weeks, when Christ came and Christianity, if you will, came, it wasn't an add-on to what was before. It was the whole new thing. So I gave that up. Now forgiven and access. And one that sits at the right hand, advocating for me. What he's saying is, remember that? You need to persevere. And he says, God says, I take no pleasure in those who shrink back. And it's the Greek word or phrase taking those two words, shrink back, hypostello, meaning to, to retreat or to especially back off due to compromise. That I take no pleasure in those who had that fire, who had that, that, that joy for suffering, he says. James says that too in James 1. He talks about take joy in this. Take joy in your trials. The Hebrew writer of Hebrews is saying take, they had joy in this suffering. He said, but do not shrink back. Do not retreat based on your compromise. Hebrews chapter 12, and how I'm going to tie these, I hope you understand why I'm tying these two together. 4 through 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you've completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, if you are not disciplined, if you're not disciplined, and everyone goes, undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Hopefully you did, right? <laughs> He's assuming this, right? <laughs> How much more would we submit to the father of spirits and, uh, spirits and life and, and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Now, do you understand why I didn't want to preach on this today? Because I'm not sure how many people, when they pray, they pray for relief, they pray for wisdom, they pray for strength, they pray for healing, they pray for all kinds of things, but most of the time we don't pray for discipline. We just don't. But he says if you're disciplined, then the one thing you can count on is you're a legitimate child of mine. 
Endure hardship as discipline. Because it's for your good and to share in his holiness. Do not shrink back. When tough times come, do not shrink back. Because the very thing you may be shrinking back from may be the very thing that can cause the greatest growth. You've been trying to pray it away. You've been trying to go around it. And what God wants you to do is go through it. Because you'll be different on the other side. Matthew 5, 8, you say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this. Well, Matthew 5, 8 says this. Son, though he was, talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And I get that. He was the son of God. But he learned his obedience through what? Suffering, God, in the garden. God, you could take this from me. But not my will, but yours. So as we read these passages of Scripture, and we read Hebrews all the way through, and, and, and obviously we kind of jump around. We're not going to cover every uh, uh, theme, if you will, in Hebrews. We're trying to say, Lord, what do you want us to say now? This one would have been one that I honestly would have enjoyed ignoring <laughs> because it works on me too. I hope every message I ever preach, by the time I get up here, it's already working on me. But sometimes there's some you camp on going, Okay, Lord, because I can name seasons of wilderness. I mean, I, I can tell you years. Sometimes they last for years. They don't just last for a week or two weeks or three weeks. They last for a year, two years, three years. Sometimes there's a shorter season. Sometimes there's longer seasons. But this time of going, Lord, where am I in this? What's, what's the, what, what am I trying, what do I need to learn here? Often when we go through a wilderness time, I want to speak specifically to some stages or seasons, but it's often what I've learned over the years is not pray, Lord, get me out of the wilderness, but Lord, what do you want me to get out of the wilderness? Lord, I don't mind going around another mountain. I just don't want to go around the same mountain again. I don't want to keep going around this mountain. What am I missing here that I keep seeing the same mountain? Steve Meeks talks about, many of you have heard me use this before, but Steve Meeks talks about this, and, it's, and, and years ago, and I, I've tried to look it up elsewhere, but I, I, I know I heard him preach on it or speak on it, but he talks about the four stages of, uh, of spiritual maturity, and, we talk, and Brandon talked about it last week, maturing in Christ. He talks about, have you got that slide? Uh, four, four stages, maybe you don't. Yes, no? Uh, there's one missing, but Yeah. I'll give you the fourth. There it is. There you go. Good job. There you go. Sorry about that. But he talks about the fact that the first stage is initiation, where it's that time we come to know Christ, and it's almost euphoric. We realize this has been lifted from us. We realize that, man, like I've said before, there was a whole world going on that I didn't know about before. 
There was a spiritual world that wasn't, it didn't just start when I showed up. It had been going on all along, and now I'm just aware of it. But there's this euphoric thing that just going, wow, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. I am, you know, just, and I didn't have, I've told you before, my theology was horrible, but my enthusiasm for Jesus was on point. Because he changed my life. And I knew it. But then he talks about the alienation stage. This is the stage where we begin to get discouraged. This is the stage where we begin to go through seasons of possibly discipline. And we'll talk about here in a minute, pruning. Or somebody in our church does something we don't like or we believe God allowed a circumstance to come into our life and now we're, wait a second, God, why would you let this happen? How did this happen to us? Remember, I'm following you now. And the problem with the alienation stage is we feel alienated from God. In some ways, we may feel alienated from the, from, from, even from people. And while we're in that stage, if we're not careful, we will become extremely disappointed. And if we're not careful, we will quit. But now we have a built-in excuse to quit, right? I tried following God. I tried the church thing. But man, they hurt me or God hurt me. God forgot me. I don't, and now I've got a built-in excuse to ever try it again. If you're not careful, well, you may go to a different church because that church hurts you. Then you'll find out there's imperfect people there too. And imperfect leadership. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't need to go to a different church. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you go for that reason, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find that people are not perfect there either. Then there's the transformation stage. That's part of the discipline, and the pruning is for that. So often we think the destination is, God, let me have great success. Let me have great influence. Let me have, no, the destination is brokenness and transformation. We don't like talking about it. We don't like saying that's where God really wants me. He's going to break me in order to build me back up. Because the whole point is incarnation, which is holiness. Christ likeness. In John 15, Jesus, right before he's going to go through, obviously the disciples are about to go through three days of disillusionment and disappointment. And Jesus, basically his last sermon, if you will, in this sense, he uses a gardening metaphor. John 15, 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Their fruit, the disciples, and all of us who come after, our fruit won't just grow, just grow and grow wildly. It'll be pruned to be shaped and to be cut back in order to produce more fruit. Have you ever wondered if you're in a stage of pruning? I 
I mean, I know when I've been in those, and I've been in many of them, and I can, like I said, I can name, I can name the years, maybe even the date, but I can name the years, and I can name the circumstances. We're often confused in those seasons, right? Is it the enemy scheming against me? Is it my sin? Is it the sin of the community or the country I live in? I mean, think of Caleb and Joshua. They were disciplined because of the other knuckleheads, right? For 40 years. Am I right? I'm right. Sometimes it's because of the family you're in. <laughs> but so often, and so, so often, it's about me and God and what he's trying to do in me because he sees something in me I can't see or I do see and I ignore. Nothing, I think, derails, back to the alienation stage, derails a believer quicker than a wrongly interpreted season. What is going on here? God, are you pruning? God, is it, I'm in a circumstance, there's nothing I can do about it, just pray and hang on? Because one of the things is, if I'm in that season that God is pruning me or he's showing me or he's trying to show me and I choose to be stubborn and I choose to harden, I believe in that moment I am capped from him able to use me the way he needs to. I am stuck right there. He's showing me. He's clearly showing me because now I'm asking and I refuse to move. I refuse to address it. We talk about it here, the crisis of belief is one of those things often. Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, where God brings you to a point where you're gonna have to trust him. Or you're not gonna stay neutral, you will go backwards. You will shrink back, you don't even realize it in the moment but you're not willing to trust him to go where he's asking you to go. I have three sets of pruning shears up here. I do way more yard work than I want to at all. But I've also figured out over the years, get the right ones for the right job. You know, this one is not best for cutting flowers back. You can do it, not saying you can't, but it's much easier when you have these little ones, right? But if you have a limb or something that's two to three inches, it's an inch, inch and a half, you can use this one. But if it's bigger, you're lopping that thing off with this one. So you have to know at times when I'm being pruned back, is it a small, delicate, defined, very honing kind of pruning? Or is he chopping off stuff? <laughs> that is not going with us. 
That, that, that needs to, because that one needs to be out because it's taking nutrients from what the rest of the tree needs, the rest of the vine needs. That needs to be gone. And knowing what to do and how to do it and when to do it. We've talked about it often here, right? You know, we're never going to try to force people to grow because we can't. But what we can do is this, what like a farmer planting a seed. A farmer plants a seed, he understands the season, he understands the the tilling of the soil, he understands the the, the water, he understands the fertilizer, he puts the seed in, he covers it up, he can do all the right things, but there's one thing he can't make it do is what? He can't make it grow. But what he can do is give the best conditions for it to grow. That's what we're talking about. I can't make you grow, I can't wish my growth, I can't, but what I can do is give the best conditions for God to do what only he can do in me. That's the point. Please hear me. Pruning is not a punishment. It is a reward. It allows me, God sees something in me, either one that I don't need that might have been acceptable a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, and still, what I mean acceptable, tolerated. There are things, I will say this, and you can, I'm just going to tell you how I think it. There are things that God tolerates in me for a season, and he may still be tolerating on you and you not having to deal with it yet either. But I reach a point in my spiritual growth where he wants to use me at a different level. He goes, that's not acceptable anymore. You got to lay that one down. That one's got to be cut. That's part of the transformation. That's part of what God's doing when he puts us in that situation, allows those situations to come, is he's moving us to a different rung on the ladder as we talk about here. He's trying to get us there. He can't use us as well here. And often, like I said, often we fight it, we run from it. And like James said, or even the writer of Hebrews says, count it as joy. But it's hard. Because even when God's pruning, the enemy comes and whispers. You're not everything you thought you were, are you? Oh, yeah, you can say, if God is for me, who can be against me? And then you find yourself shrinking in a corner. Ever been there? Oh, you got this for a week, for two weeks, for a month. Man, you've got this. If God is for me, who can be against me? Then now you start wearing down because the season's longer than you anticipated. Give up, shrink back. He wants you to interpret the loss or the things that are going on as a result of your failure, not as your potential. Oh, sometimes it is because of sin and we've caused us to, ourselves to be there. There's no question, it's the reason why we need to know how to interpret it.
And it sounds strange, but what was a sin, what wasn't a sin at one time now becomes a sin for you. You go, wait, 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 how does that not? What I mean by that is God says, I don't want that in your life anymore. And now you've made it an idol because you want to keep it. It wasn't that idol before, but now it's become one. I mean, my soundtrack, and I don't know about yours sometimes, look what you've done. Ever had that over and over in your head? How did you get here? Look where you wasted your money, you wasted your time. You wasted a decade of your life chasing after this thing. How did you get here? Soundtrack. It just plays over and over and over. The pruning season, I will tell you, demands you to refocus, and you refocus without retreat. You do not retreat. I've said years ago when I was on the verge of committing suicide, when I was 24 years old, didn't know the Lord, one of the things I've learned from that, and there's a lot of things I learned from it, but one of the things I learned was coming out of that was, and I didn't know the Lord then until two more years, but one of the things as I look back on it, when I'm in distress and when I'm in suffering, when I'm in whatever you want to call it, do not seek more darkness. Seek light. Do not seek more, don't seek substance. Don't seek those, seek light. Wherever you can find it, seek light. And I'm not gonna tell you today that I've been 100% bulletproof on that. Because I haven't, I've sought darkness more and I don't mean bad things, just the overwhelming presence and you just kinda just wanna shrink in and hide. Anybody ever been there? If God is for me, who can be against me? But I shrink. Hide. Because one of the indicators you're in a pruning season is sometimes it's loss. You're just having to give up something. And the reason why it's been around this long, see, I don't think about, for instance, I don't think about the fact that I have to give up cigarettes to be, you know, whatever. I don't say you have to be one to be a Christian, but I give up cigarettes. Uh, I don't think of that as a loss, really, because I didn't want to smoke in the first place, okay? It's not really a loss for me. <laughs> it may be for somebody else, but they go, okay, that's bad for you. It's a bad influence, but it's really not a loss for me because I don't want to do it anyway. What happens is God begins to work from the least important to what? The biggest idols. He starts working his way there. Sometimes there's resources, and maybe even financial resources gone, where you can't even pursue some of the things you want to pursue. Because you're not supposed to pursue them. So often what happens is, when God begins to reveal these idols, We wouldn't call them idols. I mean, it could be our fear and our anxiety. It could be 
who we go to first for prayer and for seeking wisdom and counsel and the word. And it's where we go first. It's, it's, it's the things that take the place of us even being in the word and being with God and being doing other things. It takes that place, takes the place of us even supporting other people or the church or whatever. It takes that place, those idols. And then all of a sudden a circumstance comes into our life, a situation comes into our life and there are things that come out of our heart and out of our mouth and out of our actions. We go, how? I didn't know that was in there. Ever had that happen? You go, how did that come out? How did I think that? How, why did I react that way? <sighs> Jesus kind of kicks us in the teeth because he says in John 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I don't like that. Some things, sometimes things come to me. I'm going, I don't want to speak. I, I, don't, I don't want to be that. But fortunately, at that point, I repent if that's what comes to my mind. But so often what happens is we begin to have things rise, rise up inside of us, anger or frustration or whatever it is. And what do we like to do back to the alienation stage? We like to blame the circumstances. This spoon, as I stir this, It's a clear glass of water, pretty much. And now it's this muddy mess. The spoon's not the problem. It's the muddy mess in the bottom that's the problem. All the spoon did was reveal what was already in there. How often do we go, well, they caused me to do this. No, 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 no. It was already in your heart. And the circumstance brought it to surface for you to deal with it. If the spoon, you need to embrace spoons. Because what spoons do help you get where God wants to get you to. Spoons are going to come into your life and go, I'm going to stir this up so you'll see it for what it is and you need to deal with it. And guess what? I'm going to bring another spoon if you don't deal with it. The problem for most of us is not our circumstances. The problem for most of us is what's in our heart. And God disciplines us. He, he allows us to know, and ask us not to shrink back from what he's doing in our lives because he says, that is my goal. My goal is, is honestly incarnation, it's holiness. It's not your comfort. That's the reason why to take joy in suffering because some people just suffer all the way through. If you have joy at times without suffering, you better be thanking God for it. Because there are people who don't. They have to choose joy over and over and over and over and over again because all they have is suffering. All they have is persecution. All you gotta do is look around the world. I was reading an article today in our churches in Pakistan, the Christian churches in Pakistan, they got burned down just this week. They are meeting there on those ashes right now. 
Because sometimes all you have is persecution and suffering. And if you don't choose joy, you will never have joy. So God brings the spoons to stir it up. But when he does, he is so gracious. He begins the pruning. He gives me this opportunity to repent and grow. It's when we become stubborn and go, I don't want to give that up. I don't want that exposed. I don't want to have that pruned. And sometimes, like I said, it's just a little bit of clipping for shaping. Not much to it. Don't even really feel it. Just go, okay, that didn't need to be there. It's gone. But sometimes it's this big old honking thing right here. We're chopping it off. It ain't coming back. It's not coming back. If you're being pruned right now, it's not because you failed. Because you're succeeding. Because the God who loves you, who created the universe, who sent his son to die for you, who has the Holy Spirit living in you, loves you so much and sees the potential inside of your life that he says that can't get us where we need to get to. I can't use you the way I need to if that's still there. The loss is not the result your failure but of your success again sometimes you've got to determine right is it the enemy's schemes is it my own sin that I've got to deal with specifically is it lost because God's moving me to somewhere else matter of fact I lost that and I'd never got that job if I hadn't lost that one I'd never be doing that if I hadn't lost that one I'd never be called to do that because I was too busy worried about that I don't know what I'm speaking here except I just believe that's true what I mean, I don't know speaking. I don't know your life. I don't know what all is going on. The good news is there's more fruit to come. But don't shrink back. Hebrews 12, 11, 12, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Any amens? But painful. <laughs> Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained, trained, trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. St. Augustine says this, says the same miseries send some to heaven and others to hell. The test of suffering separates the wheat from the chaff in the church of God. Those who in times of tribulation humble themselves to the will of God and are wheat for paradise. Those who grow haughty and enraged and so forth forsake God are chaff for hell. 
It's often been said, we're talking about if the destination is incarnation, to be like Jesus. People don't drift towards holiness. You don't drift there. You drift away, but you don't drift there. It doesn't happen automatically. It is your trials. It is your suffering. It is in your pruning. It is in the discipline and the way you receive that and what you do with it determines where you go in this whole concept of the holiness of God. Yes, they took your possessions early on, remember? None of us really know what that means. Most of us in here, some may, but most of us don't. That I came to know Christ and they took my property and they took my possessions and I had joy. And most often we can't even have joy in the middle of all the stuff. Help us, Lord, to have joy. Even in the suffering, but even in the good times, we don't even have to know about it. We don't know it where we don't understand it. But Lord, I'd pray too that if I'm in that season right now of wilderness, and I, like I said, I've been in many of them, a little bit of one right now, not the same as some of the others. Lord, help me determine why I'm still here and help me grow to be everything you've called me to be. Amen? Amen. I ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask Josiah to come and I'm going to ask him to sing the song Heart of Worship again. There's a reason as I heard Josiah talking about that today. You know, sometimes I don't, I don't know how all God's economy works and in disciplining countries or peoples or families. I, I don't know how that works. I'm not going to try to get into that. <clears throat> but what I do know is this. That song, Matt Redman, is that correct? Who wrote that song? Matt Redman, I was watching a documentary. Some of you have sent, maybe seen it, Jesus Music on one of the show, one of the streaming services. But Michael W. Smith talks about this song. And it was coming out of the 90s. And if you knew much about Christian music in the 90s, much about it, it got way out of round. The people leading it, the people, you just had to watch the documentary. It was not good. So Matt Redman writes this song. He writes this song just saying, it's a pretty simple song, right? Coming back to the heart of worship. Why we do this? It's not for the fame. It's not for the money. This is why we do what we do. And they put together this group that was gonna sing this song, and they did. And the day the song came out was September 11th, 2001. Is it a coincidence? You worked through that. But coming back to the heart of worship, Lord, What if we prayed, Lord, take me and do with me whatever you need to to get me where you need to me go? It's a bold prayer. But that's our challenge today. Lord, help us right now. As we close this service out, these few minutes we have together, 
Just to remember, as the writer of Hebrews says, when we first saw the light, we couldn't worship you enough. Lord, don't let us shrink back. Don't let us compromise. Don't let us step away. But Lord, when your discipline comes, that we lean into it, not run from it. Because you are doing something, Lord. I think many people in here who have walked with you for a long time often don't know it in the transition. But they look back later and go, God, we now see what you were up to. Lord, whether we ever see that or not, let us count it as joy to walk this out and glorify in your name. Lord, now those who may want to come around these altars or or just sing, they will sing this with their whole heart. Very simple words for the great purpose of glorifying you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.